Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We as Christians are to work heartily as unto the Lord. Whatever your hands find to do, work with all your might. And don't just work, Paul right into the Colossians, when your boss is looking. In other words, you're, you're working as unto the Lord. As Christians, we need to be known as very hard workers for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it's a good witness. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. Do all of your work as if you're doing it unto the Lord. As you listen to today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you the importance of hard work. As a disciple of Jesus, when you're a faithful and hardworking employee, it's a powerful witness to others. No matter what work you've been given, do it unto God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Verse 1, Proverbs 6. Again, keep in mind as we go through particularly these two chapters tonight, that they are written by Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit as a father to his son, and really to his children, son or daughter. Some of the Proverbs are more specific to the son than the daughter, but the principle still applies. And we're going to see tonight something that is going to come up again and again throughout this study through the book of Proverbs. So it begins, as many of the chapters do, with Solomon writing, My son, if you become surety, hang on to that word, I want to talk about that. If you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in pledge, for a stranger, you are snared, verse 2, by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids, deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Oh my goodness, what did you get yourself into? Well, you got yourself into surety. What is surety? Surety is borrowing or co-signing for someone who is borrowing beyond the ability to repay the loan. You know, back in the 90s, when I was on the mainland, I was a student of the late Larry Burkett and his ministry, Christian Financial Concepts. And I would teach classes, adult classes, uh, one of which was titled Business by the Book. 
And it was really to business owners and employers, and it was really basic business principles, many of which came from the book of Proverbs. And I've long held to the belief that the book of Proverbs is the best book on business and finance, bar none, ever written. The principles that are here in this book, and such is the case with this one that we have before us here. Now, surety is when you borrow money and are unable, in terms of collateral, to satisfy the loan and the obligation of the debt that you're incurring. Now this is important because there's nothing wrong with borrowing money. That's not the problem. The problem is, is when you borrow beyond your means to repay. Now what Solomon is saying here is that if you strike your hands and pledge, in other words, if you co-sign for somebody, and then they default on the loan, and you have no sure way, that's surety, you have no sure way of repaying that loan in the event of a default, then you need to do whatever you can. <laughs> do not even allow yourself to sleep until you have freed yourself from that surety. Does that mean you never co-sign? What about when your kids need to borrow money for a student loan? Or what if you want to help your kids establish credit and co-sign for a loan on a car? Well, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you have the collateral, the means by which to repay that debt. Otherwise you are in what the Bible calls surety. Verse 6. This is interesting. <laughs> Go to the ant, and this is not your auntie. Go to the ant, you sluggard. I like that word. It's one of those words that just sounds like what it means, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. How long, verse 9, will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, or take a nap if you prefer so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. I love this. Have you ever seen ants, how busy and how hardworking they are? Many years ago, this is when I was on the mainland, I'm sitting in my office, and I love popcorn. And I used to bring bags of popcorn with me to work, and that was part of my lunch, and I would just munch on, you know, the popcorn, and of course, invariably, popcorn would fall, you know, to the ground. And on this particular day, I noticed this one ant, and it wasn't a large ant, this one ant 
had picked up this huge, I mean like 150 times the size of its body, and had picked this popcorn up and was carrying it away, just like it says, to stockpile the supply. And I thought to myself, wow, this ant has read the Bible, because <laughs> that's exactly what it says. That's exactly what they do. So my wife has, I mean, they've had to come up with some really creative things to deter the ants. I don't know what it is about the ants here on the islands. Oh my goodness. I mean, they will come in droves. Here, here's this food that we forgot or just you no know, didn't see when we were cleaning the kitchen counter. And here's the string of ants, this army of ants. And they're just, I mean, swarming around all of the leftover food and they're carrying it out in perfect order. I mean, this would rival a corporation's greatest infrastructure of leadership. I mean, it was so organized. So amazing. Here they're taking this food and they're gathering it and they're storing it so that they always have enough supply. Hardworking ants. And that's what Solomon is talking about here. You know what he's saying? He's saying that we, as God's people, need to be like those ants. We talked about this in our study through Colossians on Sunday mornings about how we as Christians are to work heartily as unto the Lord. Whatever your hands find to do, work with all your might. And don't just work, Paul writing to the Colossians, when your boss is looking. In other words, you're, you're working as unto the Lord. As Christians, we need to be known as very hard workers, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it's a good witness, especially to that employer who doesn't know the Lord. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians in his second epistle, chapter 3, verse 10, pretty blunt. Listen to what he says. He says, for even when we were with you there in Thessalonica, it wasn't there very long. We gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now, it doesn't say unable to work. No, unwilling to work. It's talking about somebody who is able to work, but unwilling to work. You know what? They have no right to eat. You want to eat? Get to work. You want to eat? you need to work for it. It's even worse in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Paul again writing, by the Spirit says, anyone, and he's specifically talking to the man of the house, the spiritual leader, the provider. He says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. Now some, and I have to be careful here because this is an issue for me on the other side of this. This is not a license to become a workaholic. 
Some have under the banner of this proverb, this chapter in Proverbs, and what Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and then also to Timothy. Some have used that as license to make work the center of their world. And you know, it's sad, even in the ministry, pastors have to be really careful under the banner of ministry, where the ministry becomes more important than anything else, even the Lord. How many pastors have, I, I heard it said this way, they, they don't have a mistress per se, but their mistress is the ministry. That's the most important thing to them, is their work, is their ministry, is their church, is their job. Verse 12, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity, verse 14, is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. This is a biggie, by the way, as we're about to see. Therefore, this verse here should send chills up and down every single one of our spines. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. Really? The one who is evil, devising evil continually? Yeah, him or her. The one who has perversity in their heart? Yeah, them. You mean the one who sows discord? Yeah, them. Verse 16 through verse 18, perhaps well known to most, if not all of you, is a list of seven things that God deemed necessary by the Holy Spirit to have recorded in the pages of Holy Writ, so that we would know that He hates. Now this might be strong, but it needs to be. There's a sanctified strength as we go through this list, and it's kind of interesting because Solomon, and this is not a mistake, he starts off and he says, these six things the Lord hates. And then he says, yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now, commentators are, you know, all over the place on this. I am personally of the belief that it's the seventh that is not only something that God hates, but the seventh one on this list is an abomination to him. An abomination is not a word we use much in our day, but it is anathema. It is abominable. It is unthinkable. The seventh one. And the reason I believe that is because it's repeated in verse 18, what he says in verse 14, having to do with one who sows discord among the brethren. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's go through this list. You want to know what God hates? First on the list, a proud look. We know that God resists the proud. He, he, he cannot 
He cannot even, resist is, is an understatement. He cannot be anywhere near where pride resides. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. And verse 19, number six, this is not a repeat of a lying tongue, because this speaks to the one who spreads false rumors, bears false witness, a false witness who speaks lies. And here's number seven. Again, I'm not dogmatic about this, but I do believe that this one in particular is an abomination, and I'll explain why I believe that. It's the one who sows discord among brethren, who creates strife, causes division, sows discord. Why is that an abomination? Why does that seem to rise to the level seemingly over and above the other things on this list, to be an abomination to the Lord. Here's a thought. That's what Lucifer did. He sowed discord in heaven. He caused division in heaven because he exalted himself in pride. What do we know to be true about the devil? He's the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren, and the author of confusion. So this is the first sin, by the way. The first sin was not in the Garden of Eden. The first sin was in heaven, when Lucifer exalted himself and said, I will ascend my throne above the Most High. And I think there's some eight times in there that can be counted where he says that I will, I will, it's almost like, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> One has aptly noted that the letter I is right smack in the word pride, in the middle of the word pride. So too is the letter I right smack in the middle of the word sin. And some have even taken that further. The point being is that that's the problem, isn't it? I am the problem. I am at the center of my pride. And what does James say? What causes fighting and arguing and quarreling and discord and striving and church splits among you? You will always find, without exception, without exception, you find discord, you'll find pride. You'll find one who has exalted themselves, and they are the one that will sow discord. And they're also the one that will spread rumors and bear false witness. Hey, did you hear what? And as we're going to see in our study in Proverbs, man, gossip is kind of like, yeah, oh, that's delicious. It's so tasty like a tasty morsel. Yeah, what? What? Innate within our sin nature, our fallen nature, we, we tend to, we're, we're prone to gravitate to the salacious, 
the scandalous. What is it about us when we hear of something that someone did or has done or is doing and there's that part of us that's, wow, really? You don't say. And oh, we're very clever and we we couch it in very noble and spiritual terms, don't we? Hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. No, what happened? Oh. I mean, we we laugh, I understand. I mean, we chuckle at that. But I'm here to tell you that in my experience over the years on the mainland, I have watched this destroy lives, destroy families, destroy ministries. Churches lie in the wake of the discord that was sown among the brethren. Pastors, their character assassinated, and they are guilty until proven innocent. Come on, right? All you have to hear about somebody is, they, I hear they do that. (gasps) No. You'll never look at them the same again. You can't. As far as you're concerned, you're judge and jury in your mind. You've already passed judgment on them. I knew it. They're guilty. I, I knew something wasn't right about him. Why does God hate this? That's really the question. And I want to talk about this for if you'll indulge me, because this is one of those places in Scripture where I think it's incumbent upon us to know the why behind the what. So the question isn't so much that God hates these things. Why does God hate these things? You know why God hates these things? Because of what these things do to us. I think about the Ten Commandments. I was talking with somebody on the phone today, and and I was just reminded of uh, how someone once referred to the Ten Commandments as the tender commandments. Because it's a loving Heavenly Father who loves us so much, He doesn't want to see us needlessly suffer the consequences, which we're going to talk about later. And and so he says, don't do this. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but that doesn't mean you have to stop learning from God's Word. We encourage you to read the Bible yourself. You can start in Proverbs, where Pastor J.D. left off, or turn to another book. Each one holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a top priority. A church family can be a source of support and comfort, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can serve and encourage others too and where you can be challenged to dive deeper into your relationship with Christ. 
If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates. We also have some helpful resources, too. You'll find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time for more from Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Don't leave me true, true.